Welcome to the Men's Global Livestream. If you have a Bible, I want you to hold two spots, one in Mark chapter 11 and one in James chapter one. If you're joining us for the first time, we're starting part one of a new series called Turning the Tables. And to get us thinking in the right direction, let's start with a question. Have you ever been in a situation where things were going in the wrong direction, right? And what's more, you are the one who has to confront the situation and you gotta change the situation. So you see something, you recognize it, you realize you're responsible for confronting it, and then you have to take action to change the situation. Maybe somebody in the family is not treating someone else in the family the right way, and you have to step in. Maybe you're not treating someone the right way, and you gotta take a long look in the mirror, and then you have to confront yourself. Or maybe you see a brother in Christ who's falling into some habits that you know, that you know, are not aligned with who he is as God's man and is not aligned with God's word and you have to step, step in. Maybe some of you are, um, have to do like what I had to do. You need to confront a habit or an addiction in your life that, that's controlling you from the inside out and harming your relationships with God and people. You see, in all these situations, you just come to a point where you just go, it's time. It's time to turn the tables. It's time to get this thing going, not in this direction, but I gotta step in so it's going in the right direction. And that's what we're talking about in this series because as God's man, you're gonna see things, you're gonna sense things, you're gonna collide with situations in life, listen, that are ungodly, people that are ungodly, that should be acting godly. You'll, you'll collide with things that are unjust and situations where people who should know better are acting unjustly or unfairly, things that are unhealthy, right? And are, are polluting situations and you gotta step in. Or maybe you just collide with something that's flat out evil and you gotta step up and suit up and show up and step in to that situation like a man. And God will call you, not someone else, to step in out of your love for God, out of your identity that then takes command of your energy and then it looks like an expression of confrontation to turn the tables, to get that, that situation or person away from flowing in the wrong direction, get them flowing in the right direction. You see, at Everyman Ministries, here's something that we know. Not only does evil triumph when good men do nothing, but others suffer when we don't have the courage to confront situations like a man. So in part one, we're gonna define what it means to turn the tables. We're gonna watch Jesus do it literally and spiritually, and then we'll tackle the first area where God is calling us to turn the tables and confront an area of our lives. So let's define what it means to turn the tables. It means this, if you turn the tables on someone or some situation, you change the situation completely so that someone or something loses its advantage 
and you gain the advantage. The dynamic of the relationship or situation is flipped. See, that's what it means to turn the table, right? A table is this way. You turn the table, it flips over, the other side is on it. And it's a metaphor for gaining the advantage or changing the direction of a circumstance or person or situation. And in the Bible, we see Jesus do it literally out of his love for God, spiritually. In Mark chapter 11, we read about this situation. And I want you to, to watch and lis listen and see and sense with your heart, Jesus's heart. It says this, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. As he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. So let's unpack this very simply. Jesus walks into the temple courts. It's supposed to be a place of worship and prayer. He sees people using his house to make a buck. A house of prayer has become a house of profit. People are pimping God. And, 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 and a relationship with God selfishly to make money, Jesus sees it and he reacts. And he starts turning the tables, literally, over. He sees a direction that relationship with God is going and it's not God at all. And so he has to recognize it, he has to confront it, and then he has to take some action, you know what's interesting about Jesus is that sometimes, a lot of times, you read the Gospels, he, you find him sitting at tables, reclining at tables, but then sometimes you see him flipping tables out of his love for God. And that's really what I want us to see. In John's Gospel, uh, it tells this same story, but it actually tells us the perspective of the disciples who are watching Jesus do this. It says this in John 2, 17. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house consumes me. You see how energy for God, right, translates into confronting actions for God's purposes. I'm gonna say that again. When you have energy for God, you love the Lord. That's gonna translate in energy toward God's purposes and in his character, right? And the disciples were like, oh my gosh, this is a prophetic moment. Like it says about the Messiah that zeal, energy, for God's house, right? God's purposes and God's people will consume him. Now, I just want you to pause for a second and remember that that same Jesus right there, he lives in you. And the message of Jesus is, write this down, enough, enough. Now, as we move forward in this series, what I want us to, to see 
is this whole idea of how our identity converts to energy and we are going to have to confront some things in our lives that are not aligned with God's purposes and God's will. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 8, verse 13. It says, the fear of God means hating evil. If you download the notes, circle that. Whose ways I hate with the passion, pride and arrogance and crooked talk. So what I want to do now is I want to just kind of outline where we're headed in this series, okay? What does that mean? The fear of God means hating evil. Well, what it means practically, and I want you to write these things down because this is there where we're going, right? It means that I will confront myself. The Bible is very clear that, that we have evil within, we have sin, we have flesh, and we can be a partner to evil, but as God's man, we have to confront it. That's part one. We're going to talk about that today. Secondly, this means I will confront my brothers, right? Other Christians who I love, I will confront. And we will talk about the right way to do that and the motive for doing that and the love that's behind loving confrontation of another brother. Third, it means that I will confront injustice. That's part three. Fourth, this means I will confront lies. That's part four. And then fifth, and the final part, it means that I will confront the evil one. I'll confront the evil one. So that's where we're headed. We gotta turn the tables. We're gonna collide with situations with, within ourselves that we see in our brothers, that we see in the world that are unjust, lies and deception that we have to confront and turn the tables on to change the direction. And Jesus told the disciples, you're going to confront the evil one and the gates of hell, the agenda of hell, will not prevail. He's talking to those guys who follow him. So there's the kind of setup. There's the foundation for our, for our series, Turning the Tables. That's the arc of where we're headed. Now, when it comes to saying enough, let's look at area one, probably the hardest one of all, and that's confronting yourself or confronting self, right? And in the Bible, um, it's, it's very clear that you're going to have to do this. talks uh, in one passage in James chapter 1 uh, about this very specifically. It says this, Don't fool yourself into thinking that you are a listener when you are anything but, letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Act on what you hear. Those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror, walk away, and two minutes later have no idea who they are or what they look like. But whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, even out of the corner of his eye, and sticks with it, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. Listen, that person will find delight and affirmation in the action. Anyone who sets himself up as, quote, religious by talking a good game is self-deceived. This kind of religion is hot air and only hot air. Now, I want to draw your attention to the first part of this picture. The first three words, don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself, 
right? Why do you say that? Why would you address Christians in that way? Because we're good at fooling yourself. Can I get an amen? Can we have a cup of honesty uh, in this community of men? Yeah, we're good at fooling ourselves. And you see the picture. You see where God speaks directly or indirectly, all right? And a man hears, all right? And then he speaks to us about us, right? And it's calling for us to take action. And it's time to confront ourselves and take action on what God is speaking. And then what we notice in this passage is two patterns, all right? Pattern number one is where there's recognition, right? People hear and they know what's being said or spoken. The second part is confrontation, okay? That's where we listen inside. We go, oh, I see it and I have to confront that. And then we face the, we face ourselves. And then third, you see taking action, all right? Recognition, confrontation, taking action, all right? That is the desired pattern when we turn the tables on a situation. God speaks to us, he God, God speaks to us about us, and then we confront ourselves. We have a change of mind, which leads to a change of action, and then we take that action, and I loved what the passage said. We find joy and delight in the action, all right? That's when we feel like, hey, I did the right thing. You ever done that? It feel good to do the right thing before God and before man? Of course it does. But then there's a second pattern of action, and it starts off the same, all right? There's recognition, all right? There's recognition, and then there's self-deception, all right? Let's pause there for a second, because instead of facing themselves, right, they flee themselves. They flee the confrontation, so they self-deceive. So God speaks. They hear it, but they don't want to hear it. Then they self-deceive through rationalization or justification or excuses or whatever. And then it goes to the third part, which is inaction. All right? So you've got recognition, then self-deception, then inaction. All right? And that inaction, and I think we've all been there, right? Where we hear the truth, but we deny the truth. We deceive ourselves. We lie to ourselves. We self-deceive so that we continue in the action that God wants us to correct, to take us into a new direction, and it results in spiritual inaction, right? What does that lead to? Because we learn that taking action when God speaks and confronting yourself, there's delight and affirmation in taking that action in the relationship. What about when you don't? What about when God speaks and you don't? Do you self-deceive and you give God the Heisman or you just deny or compartmentalize and there's inaction. Well, that leads to self-deception and destruction. You flee God's truth. So there's the, there's the, the biblical case for self-confrontation. Those are the two patterns. Now, let's get God's mind when it comes to confronting ourselves. What do we need to know and when does God's man need to act? So the first thing that we need to know is I'm being examined already by God. Write that down. I am being examined by God. God's tracking me and God is tracking you. Why? Because we're part of his family. 
and he's invested and interested in us like any good father is. Listen to what he says. But I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they they pretend to be. So interesting. There's who you really are, and then there's your image, all right? There's the substance of who you are, then there's the shadow of who you are. And God knows, God sees, God examines the real you, all right? Not the, the projected persona that you like people to uh, believe. And so when it comes to self-confrontation, it's, it's good to know that the God who created you sees you, but he's not seeing the image that, that, that people are consuming. He sees the real you. And, and that helps us to know that someone knows the real us when it comes to confronting ourselves. If nobody knows, then we're just fooling ourselves, but we're actually fooling God. But we're not fooling God, right? Because he sees us. He's examining you and I right now. The second thing we need to know is that I'm commanded to examine myself, right? You're commanded to confront yourself, examine yourself, see what's there. Listen to what it says in Lamentations chapter three. It says, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. So what you see is that God's word encourages God's man to to evaluate, to do an inventory of, okay, how am I being? How am I believing? How am I behaving? Test it in light of my relationship to the Lord. And then if I test it and the radar goes off, like, hey, that's out of alignment, I got to return to the Lord. So we're encouraged as a spiritual discipline to constantly being examining ourselves. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 in the New Testament. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, right? Circle that, in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. So God is examining us. That was point number one. He's examining us right now. But like any good father, he would want his son to become self-aware and self-examine and self-confront and self-correct. It's a maturity thing. God wants you mature. You know, he doesn't want you to be a spiritual toddler or baby who always has to be checked and controlled. He wants you to see the family way, understand the family ways, and adjust your living and thinking to the family ways. And you intuitively, knowing the family ways, right? You self-correct, you self-examine, you self-adjust, right? God would much rather prefer that. So I'm examined, I'm being examined by God right now. I'm commanded by God to examine myself. And when I do that, examine myself, number three, I'm encouraged to be honest with myself. See, it's one thing to examine yourself, and you can be totally dishonest with yourself. But I'm encouraged to be honest with myself. What does that look like? First John chapter one, verses eight through 10. 
God's word says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Now, that right there, that last sentence, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, God out to be a liar, and his truth is not in us, is worth exploring. You know what God's word tells us? It's dysfunctional for God to say one thing about you and for you to claim another in your own family. That's dysfunctional. That's the definition of a dysfunctional family. There's the truth. There's what God says. That's the truest thing about you, that you're imperfect, that you're broken, that you make mistakes, uh, that you sin, that you make bad choices. And yet we, as sinners who are imperfect and broken and make bad choices, we claim to be saints. And we, we relate to God and ourselves uh, in, a, in, in a dishonest way. Like, no, everything's good. No, it's great. It's good. I'm good. It's all good. No, it's not. Because you're imperfect. And until you get to heaven, that perfection is not going to be there. You're gonna, you, you, people are good and bad. Marriages are good and bad. Choices are good and bad here on earth. And so I'm examined by God right now. I'm being examined. I'm commanded by God to examine myself. And then I'm encouraged to be honest, all right? But it, that, that's not enough, all right? Now we're just talking about, hey, this is what you need to know. You're being examined, you're commanded, you're encouraged to be honest. But now, what's your part, all right? Number four, I am called to recognize ungodly patterns in myself. This is the filter, okay? We can know that God's looking at us we need to look at ourselves and we need to be honest with ourselves, but what's the filter? What set of glasses do we put on when we're practicing this thing called self-examination or self-confrontation? Well, we gotta recognize ungodly patterns. Look at what it says in Romans 12 too. It says, do not conform, listen, to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is all right, different pattern, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So there's the will of the world, then there's God's will. There's the pattern of the world, all right? Then there's the pattern of God's way, right? There's the pattern of the world, and then there's the pattern of God's word, okay? Now, when you think about worldly patterns, all you have to do is remember the word S-E-L-F. Worldly patterns are synonymous with self, right? For example, what's materialism, which is a pattern and philosophy of the world? It's self-preservation. The principle of scarcity dominates me. I have to get what I can. I have to accumulate and accrue stuff. I have to possess, right? Materialism, self-preservation. In the world, you have hedonism. Right? That's self-gratification. All right? I gotta, I gotta use things and people to gratify my flesh or my needs, to get my needs met. All right? Hedonism, self-gratification. That's the pattern of the world. 
narcissism, all right? Self-importance, right? It's about me, all right? It's about what I want. It's about my position. It's about my power. It's about my visibility, right? It's about number one, right? Narcissism, self-importance, right? Worldly pattern, right? So when the Bible says, I'm called to recognize ungodly patterns, it's real easy to have a filter for that, and it's just, okay, how does the godless world operate? Self-preservation, self-gratification, self-importance. What's the common denominator in how the world operates? Self, right? Ungodly patterns revolve around self. And when your life revolves around self, guess who's God? Not God, you. You're on the throne of your life and you're serving yourself, right? That's how we know, that's the world. That's the godless world out there. It's what I think, I'm in charge, I get to decide what's good and evil, and when you get to decide what's good or evil, you serve yourself. So we're called to recognize ungodly patterns, all right? That's your part, so recognize. Next, you're called to confront yourself. It's not enough to recognize it. I can go, oh yeah, that's, that's not a good thing. Now I have to decide to confront it. Listen to what it says. This is Jesus talking in Matthew chapter 7. He says, Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So in part two, we're gonna talk about that we will need to confront, most likely, uh, a fellow brother in Christ, right? We're gonna have to turn the table on the direction where he's, he's headed and turn it back, right? Or we're called into it at least. But before we do that, you gotta start with yourself. You have to look at yourself in the mirror. You have to confront uh, yourself. And, and the Bible is, is very transparent about the need to, hey, before you go pointing your finger at someone, you got, you know, when you point, you got, you, got, you got three fingers pointing back at you or however that analogy works. You gotta look at yourself first, examine yourself, confront yourself and identify, right? the plank, the big thing that's in your own eye before you use that same eye to nitpick that little thing of sawdust out of other people's lives, right? So the Bible calls us to, con to, to confront ourselves. So we're called to recognize, we're called to confront, and then lastly, we are called to take corrective ac action. So I can recognize something Okay, I can confront it and say, all right, that's wrong. But now I have to actually, in faith and humility, take corrective action. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. It says this, Repent, then, turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out.
that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. I want you to see the connection between repentance and refreshing. All right? When I self-confront and because I know God's examining me, because I know I'm encouraged to examine myself, all right? because I know I should be honest with myself, and then I recognize and confront, now it's time to take some action. When I repent, which is that process of recognition, confrontation, and taking action, look at what it leads to. Refreshing. Wow. Isn't it great that you and I are works in process? That's the way God looks at us. You and I are a work in process. We're not, we're not perfect. God knows we're not perfect. Um, we're going we're gonna to get to a certain level, and then we'll fail. And then we're going to get to another level. And then we'll, we'll take a step back. And then we'll get to another level. And, we'll make and that's kind of the journey in life. It's not just one that's the seamless journey of holiness and perfection. Actually, it's a process of success and failure and success and failure and where we're learning along the way and growing mature through our mistakes and self-confrontation. Look at what it says here in terms of um, taking action in a way that's meaningful. So the Bible says, repent, turn to God so that, and confront yourself, take action so that you can experience his refreshing. Well, what does that look like, all right? In Ezekiel chapter 18, it says this. So turn around, get it? Turn the tables, turn it around. Turn your backs on your rebellious living so that sin won't drag you down. There's an indicator. Clean house. No more rebellious. No more rebellions, please. Get a new heart. Get a new spirit. Why would you choose to die, Israel? I take no pleasure in anyone's death. This is the decree of God, the master. Make a clean break. Live. What I love about this is that there's, you know, no other measure uh, that is meaningful when it comes to real change other than changing your actions. I know that you have might have said this to someone else just who has claimed that they've changed, right? But then you see their pattern and their pattern says the exact opposite. They're still the same. And maybe you've thought to yourself or maybe you've articulated them, you haven't changed. And they go, why? Because none of your actions have changed. And that's, that's Ezekiel's point, is that a true self-confrontation, a true recognition and confrontation of what's wrong means that we're going to reinvest the energy that we used to put toward what is wrong and put it toward God and what is right. Now, to close out, I just want to coach us all up, including myself, on how do, I need, how do I know that I need to confront myself, all right? What are, the, what are some markers? And I want to give you some of those uh, right now. Number one, you just got to look at God's character, all right? Look at God's character, all right? If you're not aligned with who God is, rest assured you need to confront yourself. God is loving. God is holy. God is forgiving. God is merciful. God is just. So if you're out of alignment with who God is, right? God's holy, God's loving, God's forgiving, God's just, right? If you're out of alignment with who God is, that's a good measure of your own actions, right? Is this consistent with God's character? Because Jesus, God, lives in me. 
And if I'm acting out of character the way he wants me to act, which is like him, then I need to confront myself. Number two, you use God's word, right? If you are being and believing and behaving in a way as God's man that is inconsistent with the truth and direction and commands of this book, right? It's time for self-confrontation. So confront yourself, right? And can I make a suggestion here, brother? Confront yourself before God confronts you. I don't know if your moms used to say this when you were little, but my, my mom used to say, just wait till your father gets home. Oh, it's like a lightning bolt of terror would enter my mind because I knew my dad would take care of business, man. And can I just encourage you? Repent now. Confront yourself now. Because if you go along in rebellion versus repentance and you don't confront yourself and you deceive yourself and you just keep doing what you're doing, all right, eventually God will confront you. And you don't want that. You just don't. <laughs> so if that helps you think about what we're talking about today, then I hope that, that you'll get into this practice of self-examination confrontation and realignment as God's man. So God's character, God's word. Then third um, is your witness, okay? It's, it's your witness. You know how Jesus says you are salt and you are light, right? That's who we are. But when our, our influence by contact is diminished or where our witness and influence by contrast to a godless world is diluted and we're just now kind of blending in with the world, there's no difference in the way we treat people. There's no difference in the things we say. There's no difference in the actions that we take. Um, that's our witness. And when your witness is diluted or diminished or non-existent, that's a good sign that, that you need to confront yourself. You need to have, have a little look in the mirror and examine your ways. Number four, and this is the easy one, it's repercussions, okay? Those are just, you know, consequences. If you're bumping into some consequences that are negative to your actions, newsflash, you should confront yourself, okay? Certain patterns of attitudes, certain patterns of, of actions, all right? Number five, worldliness, right? We talked about this a little earlier, the pattern of the world. All right, God is out and you are in. God's out of a job, you're in, and you start making selfish decisions. It's not about God, it's not about considering the needs of others, it's completely and totally about you, all right? That's worldly. Another way to look at it is the things of earth replace the things of heaven. God's left your mouth, God's left your schedule, God's left your mission, God's left where you invest, your money, God's left. Okay, well, if you're not investing in God, you're investing in yourself, all right? Worldliness. And then number six, this may not be on your outline, but I'm adding it in as a bonus, all right? Relationships. Relationships. How do I know I need to confront myself? Well, let me ask you a question. Are any of your actions creating fracture in your relationship with God or your relationships with people, okay? We addressed God's character and God's word, so there's our relationship with God. That's how we can know. 
But let's talk about your relationships with people. There are a lot of men, hundreds of men watching this right now, and there's fracture in your relationships. And my guess is, is that you had a part to play in that, as much as the narrative that you would love to share with people that it's all someone else's fault. And in some cases it is. But in most cases, after 30 years of doing men's ministry, um, men usually play a part in their own relationships falling apart. And so if there's fracture in a relationship with the spouse, a relationship with a child, a relationship with a friend, a relationship, and, and it's rooted in some things that you have done, and that's impacted your closeness. Your closeness has created now, it's, it's, a, it's a place of distance. Um, then it's probably time to kind of look in the mirror and confront yourself and own uh, your part. That's what a man does. So that's part one. That's, that's the arc of where we are headed, all right? And I just want you to see that, that Jesus, you know, when he saw things going in the wrong direction, he took steps to turn it into the right, he turned it towards the right direction. He, there were some situations where he's like, enough, because of his love for God. And so that's the big theme of turning the tables is your love for God. And that's gonna take over your identity and take over your energy. And you're gonna do some things that confront certain situations, yourself, others, evil, injustice. So that's where we're headed. Let's, let's, let's kind of finish our time. And I just wanna pray uh, a prayer of blessing. Enter into that, that space with me before God and let's, let's talk to him together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you're examining us right now. This community of men, guys listening in their houses, some in coffee shops, some on a run, um, some in their cars. Right now, this very second, you are examining us. You're seeing the real us. You see the hidden us that no one else sees. And Lord, that, that fact motivates us to examine ourselves. Lord, you, you would much rather that we examine ourselves, that we self-examine, self-correct, like mature sons, that we know how to manage ourselves, Lord. But the fact that you're looking at us makes me want to look at myself. And Lord, not just look at myself, but be honest with myself. And recognize patterns that do not show love for God or people. Confront those patterns. And take action. Lord, I, I come against the spirit of self-deception right now in all of us. We know that the evil one loves men who choose self because if they choose self, they don't choose God and they don't choose others, which makes God's purposes in their lives suffer and makes other people suffer. So God, just help us to use the filter of your character and who you are. If it's not you, it's not me. And I can confront myself. Lord, your word, if it's not your way, it's not my way. And help me to consider uh, what you've put me on earth to do, my witness. You called me to be salt by contact and light by contrast, Lord. And anything that impacts that influence for you, that brings you glory, I need to confront. 
And then, Lord, just help me use my common sense. Things aren't working because of my actions, the repercussions, the consequences. And, Lord, I, I know that it's a battle not to blend with the world and to be about possessions and pleasure all the time and the next thrill, position, self-importance. And then, Lord, really, uh, the closest measure is our relationships. We, we can look at our relationships and we can see the quality of those and then we can see the quality of our growth and self-examination. Because if we're getting healthy, we're changing. If we're changing, we're self-examining. If we're self-examining, we're recognizing things in ourselves, confronting things in ourselves, and repenting and taking corrective action. So God, none of this is going to happen without your power. We need your power to move toward your purpose of really looking at ourselves, seeing ourselves honestly, and making changes. So God... Help us to be good self-confronters through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us, make us clay, make us soft, flexible, teachable, and humble in your hands, humble enough to change and confront and repent and take the actions today that we need to take. God, I know that there are men right now listening to the sound of my voice that need to take an action today. They need to see themselves in the right light of your character and word. They need to see themselves in light of the witness and consequences of their actions, and they need to see themselves in the context of their relationships. Help them to look in the mirror, stay there, get your mind on what you want them to do, and to take that action they need to take today. And let it bring you great glory, and let it bring them delight in affirmation, in the action. In Jesus' name, and God's men said, amen. All right, guys, that's part one. Make sure and share this podcast with a friend, and we'll see you back next week for part two. God bless.